Welcome to the weekly Tar Heel basketball wrap-up edition. Uh, three gentlemen joining me tonight recorded an hour-and-a-half podcast previewing the basketball season with me about two weeks ago. That podcast, um, as I complain about pretty much every time we get one on the air, uh, is somewhere lost in the internet abyss. So joining me tonight to talk the Wofford, Elon, and Stanford games and to look ahead for the rest of November, I've got Al Hood, Joe Carpenter, and Jake Lawrence. I did, Jake, I almost forgot about you there. Um, we're three of my <laughs> colleagues at Tar Heel Blog. Uh, Al, kick it to you first. How's it going, buddy? It's going well. It's going well. How's everybody doing tonight? Cold and rainy here. Uh, Jake, I hope you got out of the cold and rain uh, and back to Jersey. I did, but unfortunately now I'm back in the cold, just waiting on the rain and snow over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to be in upstate New York next week, so I'm not looking forward to it at all. Um, and Mr. Carpenter, I'm not quite sure where you live, so uh, hopefully you're avoiding all of that. I'm in Tidewater, Virginia, and I will tell you, sitting here, it feels like deja vu. And also, it feels like deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> This is, I, I, I've got nothing to add to that. Um, it does feel like deja vu a little bit with this uh, foursome here. Um, it's been an active little conversation in our Slack channel, in our little private room, about, hey, when are we going to do another one of these? So here we are on Monday night, November 12th, 2018, year of our Lord, North Carolina 90, Stanford 72. Um, a little bit of a tale of two halves, and, Joe, I'll just go to you for your initial thoughts off the bat here. I would say I'm not surprised with the second half. I thought the first half was unbelievable. One of the, the best halves on both sides of the ball, frankly. Second half, hard to maintain that focus. First home game. But you know what? The result uh, comes out a dominating win over a power conference team. And, uh, you know, 3-0 and start. Yeah, you can't really complain about anything that happened in the first half, and I'm with you that you can't really complain about the second half because uh, Roy Williams was tinkering with the lineups a good bit. Um, I don't think you saw the starting five together for maybe more than five or six minutes in the second half. Jake, any uh, any hot takes from this game? You know, I know we were discussing who the MVP for this game was, and about four names came up. So, who's your MVP, and what was your takeaway? Uh, my biggest takeaway was that. They are extremely balanced, and you know it's hard to tell against Watford and Elon. Um, even if you're on the road, and for all the good PR that gets, they just aren't two very good teams to match up with Carolina. But Stanford was the first look at a, at a Power Five kind of team, uh, and the balance was still there across the board. Four four of the Hills uh, 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 scored double figures: uh, Cam, Kenny, uh, Luke, and Brooks. Oh, Garrison. Brooks, yeah, yeah, Brooks was the other Garrison. one. So uh, extremely balanced from almost every single position of the floor, uh, except at the point guard position, which is in flux anyway, uh, with two very good options there in Woods and White. So uh, that would be my biggest takeaways. I think we are more balanced than, than, than we have seen them uh, in quite some time, including maybe even 2017 uh, when they won the title. So uh, I, would take, I would take that away. And, and MVP for the night would be Cam, 17 points. I think three for four from three, seven rebounds. He's a completely different player. I don't know if he's more comfortable in the system. He definitely is healthy, uh, but he is he has really surprised me early on this year. And looking at the box score, uh, Cam was seven and eleven or seven of eleven unofficially, three or four from three, 
Uh, May was five of nine. Brooks was five of eight. Kenny Williams four of six, and then Leaky Black four of four. Um, that was really all you had for efficiency. Um, Al, I know you were talking about the second half um, a little bit more extensively, or at least I was paying more attention in Slack. Um, what did you see in the second half? Anything that concerned you? No, I mean, I think these two kind of hit on it before. With the second half, um, you know, when you just have a half where you shoot 60% and you just have that intense defensive effort, um, it's tough to maintain that for two halves, especially when you're coming off a game where you beat your previous opponent down so quickly that they essentially gave up on you. And there's a tendency to kind of think that once you put that first half together again, that's what they're going to do. And this is the not um, for sale. You know, a little bit, a lot more sloppy. Some of the shots that um, fell in the first half didn't fall in the second. Um, Stanford definitely got to the boards a lot more in the second half. Haas definitely got to his team at halftime to where they played. It, it seemed like Stanford played with a lot more effort. Um, and we just kind of expected them to fold a little bit. But that said, Stanford only won that half by eight points. So it's not really worth panicking about, but it's definitely enough to where Roy will um, be able to kind of lay into his team and practice. And I kind of said it on Twitter. It's almost like Roy's dream. He's got a great first half to show them what they can do and a kind of a bad second half to get their attention and to work them in practice. Yeah, and, and that was, you know, a little bit of a takeaway is that Stanford upped the intensity level a little bit. They were a lot more aggressive on the glass. Um, that one big guy, um, not picking his name out right off the top here, Canusis, I guess. Um, you know, he, he gave the big guys inside pits and was good about challenging them. But really, it just kind of became a little bit of a sloppy track meet in the second half and you know, I, I think that probably exposed Carolina's biggest weakness, which uh, Jake touched on slightly, is the point guard spot where you've got two good options, but neither one of them is really a great option yet. So three games in, where, where do we stand on the 7th Woods versus Kobe White debate? I mean, I am kind of at the point where, I mean, it feels like they're both playing about the same number of minutes. Both, I mean, you basically just said it. Both have had their positives and both have had their negatives. Like you see on the floor, Kobe is the fastest point guard we've had running the point in a long time. And you see it, you see it the way he just runs down the floor and it just, it creates havoc on defense that we haven't seen in a while. Um, But the problem is, is that he's young and he's still a little out of control. He still can be a little mistake prone. Um, and he's still kind of used to the high school mentality where he was leading score on his team. And so maybe he's taking a shot that he shouldn't be taking. He took a lot. He took more than a couple of mid-rangers that you just look at and you're like, why are you doing that? Um, whereas Woods um, has definitely come out healthy. He looks like he's healthy. He looks like he's comfortable. The team has definitely seemed like they've settled down in. Um, they settled down when he's on the floor. Uh, his pass to Nasir for that dunk tonight was amazing, um, but. You know, uh, he also didn't score tonight, and he definitely has his weaknesses as well. So I don't, it's like you can see why, you can kind of see why White is starting. Um, but, I mean, both are going to have to be better for this team to go far. I think that the team right now runs better with Woods out there on the court, especially the first, uh, the first five into the sixth or seventh man off the bench. 
Um, and I think that's just his maturity and his knowing the system. And he's not trying to do anything outside of his limits. Uh, I think he's been really surprising there. And he finishes tonight. I believe he now has 12 assists on the season uh, and just four turnovers. Three of those were tonight. And I, I have issues with two of those being turnovers, but I guess technically it was accurate. Uh, so you're talking a three to one assist to turnover ratio through approximately uh, 45 minutes of action through three games. So I, I think he's been very, very efficient from from that standpoint. Um, and on Ken Palm, I think he had this. I think he's the second highest offensive rating um, of all the players right now, too. Uh, the, the, the issue, though, is that Kobe will eventually just give you more uh, that he can provide, especially from the scoring uh, from the scoring uh, standpoint. Um, but right now, I don't think this team needs the point guard to score. And so uh, those those plays that we're seeing him work through his 15, you know, his 15 foot pull up fadeaways, uh, his running into three people in the lane, those will eventually become better decisions by him. Uh, but I think early in the season, you're going to see Woods be the better point guard uh, or the team respond more to Woods. Uh, the, the problem there is that Woods doesn't quite he doesn't have the ability to lead the second team. Um, because he doesn't have that that offensive uh, ability, and so he's able to feed the ball where he needs to with the fir- you know with, with the starters, uh, but he can't really take control with with players that are on the same level or slightly a step below him. Uh, and I think that's the difference in the two. And I think that's why Kobe will eventually become a clear cut better option. Uh, but right now, uh, I think Woods is. So we let Roy do what Roy does, and he gets the early reps early for White, and uh, see him grow through the season. Yeah, you know, I really love that analysis because through the first three games, what we haven't seen is the point guard have to back it out at the end of the shot clock, right, and run it down and take the drive and put up the contested two or find the immediate kick. We saw it maybe at the end of the first half a little bit with the the Luke pop-out three, but we just really haven't seen that. We know we get in conference play. There are going to be some grinding defenses that are going to get the team down multiple times in a half where you're going to have to have the point guard that can step out. And I just don't know that seventh has it in the offensive repertoire to be able to pull it out and take that sort of 12 to 15 foot shot that you have to be able to have or more importantly, the step back three to have. And frankly, I, I, I think that's where we've got Kobe and what I really like tonight, we saw a little bit of time with Leaky Black at the point. Uh, and I think that that could be a trend that we may explore a little more in the in the early non-conference. I, w- I would agree with that one as well. And we can look into that a little bit further. I would just add to all of that. I mean, Kobe just looks a whole lot like Ty Lawson, uh, his freshman year. That was my freshman year at UNC. So I was watching with probably even more interest than I do now. But... Where, where Lawson really took the next step was when he was able to, you know, going into a curve, he could take his foot off the accelerator, let the defenses run by him after they're off balance, and then lay it up nice and easy. Um, you know, right right now he's just 0 to 60 and does not quite slow down to a speed at which it's reasonable to take a shot against uh, D1 athletes, but you see all the tools there. And I guess let's talk about Leaky Black because – Three games in, he's probably the most pleasant surprise from where I sit. Uh, tonight, 4-4, um, an assist, two steals, uh, one turnover, a couple of rebounds. But, man, he's just so smooth. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's definitely nice to have, the you know, kind of the third guy, the less heralded guy, come in and be at least a coherent player and a guy that can really 
play or guard three positions. Uh, Jake, what's your what's your leaky black analysis thus far through three games? I'm not going to jump on the, this huge bandwagon that is quickly forming among UNC fans for Leakey. I think he's been impressive. Uh, I think he has done everything that you could hope for for a freshman, and he has not seemed overwhelmed, and that's the important thing. Um, even you know, even Nas seemed a little bit nervous his first game. Um, Kobe obviously has his moments of looking nervous, but Leakey has not looked nervous. The moment has not looked too big for him, uh, and I think that's the biggest takeaway. And Going forward, you know, we can talk about the point guard position, and that's great. He'll, he'll give us some time there. But his ability to play three or four positions is where he's going to be very valuable because you can plug and play him on any given night, uh, on any given matchup. Uh, and as the season goes on, he learns the game a little bit more. Um, his his poise, I think, is what is going to be needed more than anything else. And that's what's impressed me about him uh, over the first three games. Would you say that inexperience in the backcourt, uh, obviously with Barry and Penson le- leaving, um, is that something that Black can replicate, or is that still going to need to come from the two primary options at the point and uh, Kenny Williams? Yeah, I don't think he's going to be the playmaker that we need him to be necessarily, um, like like Theo was. But I think he's going to be more of a Swiss Army knife than Theo was early in his career. Maybe even maybe even a better scorer than Theo was, and less of a playmaker. Um, and I think you're going to see more from him on the defensive end than what you saw from from Theo, especially early in his career. And I think that's where uh, I have I get nervous when whenever he makes the Theo comparisons because I don't see the playmaker in him yet. I see the ability to handle the ball a little bit and I see him to, you know, know that it's the right decision to make, but I don't see the creativity in that. Um, but as a freshman, you don't necessarily need that right now. Uh, and if he can play some defense and he can slot in at any three positions on any given night, uh, that's really where his value is going to come in. Yeah, I, I know it's an easy comparison to make. I, I just don't really see the the Theo comparison, you know, besides being kind of a lanky guy who's going to play a lot on the wing and uh, can handle some point. But, um, Joe, what, what, have, what have you seen out of Black that, you know, either gives you cause for pause or cause for celebration here through three? Yeah, so the first thing that gives me cause for celebrations or get to have a debate over how good the 10th guy in the game was mm-hmm. today. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, I mean, that's pretty amazing that we're talking about how good that guy is and that, that that's i think fantastic for this team i think the second five generally is really gonna be good this year uh and it's gonna give this team an advantage yeah the one thing i like about him is shot selection has been really good for leaky early uh he's distributing the ball when he needs to he's taking the right shots we haven't seen a lot from the perimeter uh, for him, so it's a little difficult to know what we're going to get on the outside. It's a lot of mid-range and close shots. Although, again, if you're the eighth, ninth, or tenth guy off the bench, what I want you to do is take advantage of the opportunities and hit the shots you get. And so far, he's done that. So I, I, I got to tell you, I'm very, very impressed with the uh, with the poise and with the decision making early. And Al, same question to you. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been impressed by the mid-range game, and, um, you know, the, the floater that he hit tonight was more Justin Jackson than it was Theo Pinson. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that surprised me pleasantly with Leakey is that, um, you know, the word on him was that he was a point guard in high school, and then he shot up to 6'7". And so there was some concern about whether or not he'd be, his, his game would essentially catch up to his height. Um and, I mean, you add that to the fact that he's essentially the 10th man coming off the bench and that he's a freshman. I mean, in a lot of ways, like, 
you know, like y'all said earlier, you could point to point to parts where, you know, White has definitely struggled a little bit. Nasir struggled a little bit. Leakey's just gone in, knows his role, does his job, um, knows he's not going to be counted on for very many minutes, um, and is just efficient while he's out there. Um, I think it was pretty telling that when, um, you know, when he, when, um, What's interesting to me also is that with his height, you know, with if you want to run a around with him at point for a little bit, you can have a really tall lineup on the floor. I think there was one point during this where the lineup was Leaky, Brandon, uh, uh, Cam, Brooks, and Manley. Um, like we saw that for about two minutes at one point, and the team was actually decent at that. So like, it, it's just an insane. It just speaks to the insane amount of like flexibility that this team has the potential to, to, to carry throughout the season, depending on what a defense tries to throw at it. I mean, and that's really different than what we've, than what we've had because um, now you can't just guard the small ball, you know, and, and Leakey's a part of that. Like, he, if he continues to give you these good minutes, I mean, he's the 10th man and he was 4-4 four for four tonight uh, with, uh, with two rebounds and an assist and two steals. You know, I mean, that's that's insane. It is, and it's, you know, it, it really speaks well, as we mentioned just from the jump here, just the balance and versatility of this team. You know, if Roy Williams were the type of coach that allowed uh, Scheme to dictate what type of uh, team he would run, like um, the other revenue sport at Chapel Hill, yeah. we would... Uh, <laughs> You know, we, we, we why have, you gotta bring us down, Chad? Why you get Why do you gotta bring us down? That season ended on Saturday. I don't know what you're talking about. You got uh, no. Gotta, you gotta I assume that was a soccer reference. <laughs> Soccer's probably clearing more revenue at this point, anyway. But um, we we made our thoughts known very well there last Friday, and we will probably make our thoughts known again. Um, no, but you know the the point is. In any type of game, you know, tempo-wise, size-wise, speed-wise, speed uh, Carolina's got five guys they can put on the floor that can match up with pretty much anything. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun because I really do think there are eight guys on this team that can score 20 points any given night. Um, just to look at a few more of the famous ones, I mean, May was a little bit limited tonight time-wise. Apparently he went back to the locker room a little bit in the first half but still came out and just did Luke May things. Uh, five of nine from the floor, five of nine from the line, 16 points, eight boards. Um, and, a, and a great head fake for a three-point, uh, for that three, that foul on the three-pointer, too. Just just Luke May things. Just, I mean, that that's, that's the only way I know how to say it, is just Luke May things. And uh, probably more importantly, just for the trajectory of the season, since we're not really discussing the first two games in depth, is Kenny Williams got a shot going. Um I think that was probably the biggest positive to take away from this game. Uh, you know, I guess, uh, Joe, I'm going to ask you this. Um, and we, we talked about this uh, during our long preseason preview pod, so let's try to uh, wrap some of that back in here since that podcast doesn't exist as far as the rest of the world knows. Three games in, who do you, <coughs> excuse me, who do you want taking a shot if the game is close in the last 15 seconds? I'm going to be honest. When we started the year, I thought it was Kenny Williams. But after watching the first three games, I think it's got to be Cam Johnson. There, there was a point in that first half that it looked to me about three minutes in 
that he just got annoyed that the team was missing shots. And he puts up a three that was a little contested and nets it. And then, you know, you get two or three more out of him. His Cam's shot right now just looks so smooth. And it looks to me like he believes he can get it at any point. And that kind of confidence is what you have to have when the shot clock is running down, when the game clock is running down, and you got to have that shot off. I'm still not seeing it out of Kenny at this point. I really wanted to. I really thought coming in the year we would, but I'd see a lot of pump fakes from three and drives and, and dishes, which is great for the team, but it's not what you need when the clock's running down. So at, at this point, I'm going Cam Johnson. Uh, Al, same question. Yeah, I mean, you know, three games in, three games in, I don't see how you don't give that to Cam because it's not just the three-pointer and the fact that his stroke looks so smooth. It's the fact that every facet of his game right now looks good. Um, he he's he looks like the player that we and and the thing is, he had a decent season last season. I and I think the way he's playing now just emphasizes how much pain he was actually playing through last year. Um, he just, his stroke is so pure and he just has, you can tell in his body language, he just has confidence in it right now. So after three games, I would give it to Cam. That said, the way Kenny looked tonight, once he got that first layup, um, he could definitely, at some point this season, you could definitely see him go on a streak to the point to where if he's had a game where he's made a couple of shots, I would have absolutely no problem giving the ball to have no problem giving the ball to Kenny, but right now you'd have to give it to Cam. Yeah, Mr. Lawrence, um, I've, I've got a, I've got a take that will appear hot just based on the first two responses. <laughs> uh, I am not going to waver, and I'm still going to say Kenny. I mean, this is a guy who hit six threes against Duke last year for us. I, that hasn't gone away. Um, you know, he his mission in the first game was to hound Fletcher McGee all over the court, and he did that to almost perfection. Uh, that's going to affect your offense. And then you've got to find an offensive rhythm against an Elon team when, you know, Nasir Little goes off for 20 points. The bottom line is that points are just going to be hard to come by unless you're one of the top three players this year on any given night. Um, that doesn't take anything away from Cam. Cam has looked very, very good. Uh, and, and I wouldn't dispute that. But you know, we've talked about, uh, at least not maybe not on this podcast, but we've written about and talked about in uh, our in our chats that, the next level for Kenny in order to open up that three-point game for him is be able to take it to the rim, be able to get inside the lane and either dish it off or uh, or finish off uh, you know above, above the rim. He probably doesn't have it in his physical tools to finish above the rim. But what he did tonight early was he took it hard in transition, he took it hard into the into the lane, and he went up to finish the shot or found someone uh, for for the for the dish. So uh, if you're looking, if, if you want me to say that I'm going to give up on him after three games, that's I'm not going to go there. It's a very small sample, uh, and I think that you're going to see him become more and more comfortable, um, especially as everyone kind of finds their role. Uh, and you know, if, if if my question is, or if 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 my options are Cam, Luke, or Kenny, I'll say yes. I mean, that's that's really kind of where <laughs> we're at at this point. You know, I mean, that's uh, that's where we are. So. Uh, I, I have plenty of faith in, in, in Kenny. He's gonna he's gonna get it going. Uh, and I thought what he did tonight was was exactly what he needed to do, needed to do uh, in order to find a rhythm. Yeah, can I just say that we're having a debate over two great players, and except for that last comment, we omitted a preseason All-American and the guy that's hit the best game winner. 
uh, for for the Heels in the last several years. I mean, it's unbelievable how stacked offensively this team is that we go through this conversation and Luke May gets, you know, thrown in as an afterthought. That's it's incredible to me. This is well, such an exciting year. And, and, we, and if I can, well, I'm sorry, just real quick. If I can, we, we talk about Cam's health last year. I think we forget that he missed the first half of the year with a meniscus injury. And yep. then he got the hip surgery. Right. So he's he, So he's double healthy this year. Um, and I think that that, I think that we have kind of forgotten that, uh, right. going into this year. So just something to think about me, he, he, he really had two surgeries within six months last year. Uh, and, and now we are seeing the benefits of that. Sorry, whoever and, cut off. I apologize. And, and that was, and we're 24 minutes into this podcast and we have not even mentioned this year little yet. Um, yeah. So we got that going for us. Um, I think it was because I was eight months removed when we talked about this last from seeing Luke May, but. Luke May, if you need a shot created late in the game, that's that's where I'm going with it. Um, I don't know. It, it might look goofy. It, it might be a little bit robotic, but I trust that shot to go in. So, yeah, um, Carolina is not uh, lacking for good options, and I still think Kobe White and Nasir Little both make that debate a lot more interesting as the season progresses. So th- this is not the last time I'll ask you all that question, Joe. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing to point about, like all three of them, they're not only good shot takers. I mean, Cam has shown it, Kenny's shown it, Luke has shown it. They're distributors. So if you have a play at the end of the game where a team tries to gamble and double the guy that the ball goes into, they can be trusted to find one of the other two that is either open or only has one man, and you would feel good about them taking that shot. So... Um, I mean, it's such a luxury for any team to have. Absolutely. Well, guys, um, that's three games in. Got the home opener out of the way. Uh, coming up in the next week, the Heels are hosting uh, Tech, Tennessee Tech on Friday and then St. Francis of Pennsylvania. They needed to clarify that as Pennsylvania on the schedule I'm looking at next Monday night. Is there really anything to talk about there? Um, or I guess, you know, what? we're, we're going we're gonna to generate something to talk about there. What do y'all want to see out of the next two games when Carolina should realistically be winning by 25, 30 points and uh, building depth? I want to see more Sterling Manley and Garrison Brooks in at the same time. I want to see if that's something they can actually use uh, early in the season uh, and develop for for later in the season. That just gives them a different type of lineup that I don't think we've really seen yet. Uh, And I don't know if that's in the cards for this year, but that is what interests me. Yeah, I mean, I like the you say that. I like the fact that tonight we actually saw maybe the first level of real aggressiveness from Manley um, that we've seen since he's been here. I mean, again, recovering from injury last year, his his minutes were limited, but you could see him like you, you could see you could see some wheels starting to turn for him. He's fighting for balls. He jumped. He dove on the floor. Um, so, I mean, the development, using it to develop the big men and get some confidence in them um, is definitely another one. And then the get some, get some confidence out of the freshmen. Um, I'd like to see Kobe progress in his ability to play within the system as opposed to feeling like he has to take a contested shot. Um, I'd like to see that there would be some improvement in terms of Finding the finding the teammate, not feeling like that he has to be the one to be relied upon to score offense, and when he does score, it's because it's the right move to make. Like he actually beats his guy off the dribble, or um, he has a wide open three point shot uh, available out of uh, uh, available out of the passing. 
I, I want to see somebody make a little noise, honestly. You've got, you know, off of last year's team, you lost your two biggest vocal leaders on the floor, I, w- I would argue. Uh, particularly Theo was the, the leader there, but Joel was a, clearly a, a, a vocal leader on the floor, and I'm not sure we have that a lot this year. You know, Garrison Brooks has been uh, gotten a little vocal when he made some plays, uh, but then he gets quiet. When the game slows down a little bit, I did see Nasir on that fantastic defensive effort on the turnover uh, with the the diving steal came out of that and was fired up. I want to see some more of that. Yeah, I want to see somebody that's going to be out there leading the team and getting them fired up so that we don't have the kind of second half that we had tonight where it looked like we're just going through the paces trying to burn a little time and get to the rest of the game. And that I think that's a question on the go forward, maybe not just for the next two, but for the next six or eight games, who is going to step forward as that real motivational leader on the floor and who's going to give the team, you know, get them pumped up so that we can make sure that we keep that intensity on both ends. Um, I, I mean, just from that standpoint and blending those two themes together of big man development and getting a vocal leader, Get Brandon Huffman on the court in uh, meaningful minutes. I'm, I like I'm, that. I'm, I'm only halfway that joking. Um, I, I, I love what he brings to the table just as kind of a brute who can vert- get vertical, block some shots, and then throw down some vicious dunks. So he's not going to play enough to be a vocal leader, so I do speak slightly in jest. But I'd like to see him get some uh, get some real minutes over these next two games. Um, so I'm I'm going to tee this up. You're looking way down the road. There's a guy in Durham that is would right now be the second biggest player in the NBA. And in my mind, there is only one player in college basketball that would be able to D him up from a physical standpoint, and that's Huffman. Man, I was trying to keep this a Zion free podcast tonight, but uh, since we're there, <laughs> I, hey, I didn't say his name. I didn't throw any names out there. Well, um, I assume that's who you're talking about. Oh, I'm going to have to scan their roster oh, real quick and make sure that's not them. But um, Of course. Yeah. Uh, we will definitely get to that matchup at some point because having watched them for two games, it is going to be very compelling uh, basketball. But, Joe, to your point, I mean, you know, this does seem to be a little bit more stoic and business-like of a team. And I don't really know if that's just kind of early season, you know, figuring out everybody's roles you know, to where Kobe White becomes a little bit more vocal, to where Little becomes a vocal leader. But between May Johnson and Williams, I don't really see a guy becoming that um, just based on the three years' experience we have with those fellas outside of Johnson. Um, I mean, I guess we could uh, preview Texas, Michigan State, and UCLA, but I would say that might be a story for another podcast uh, just so we can get out of there with uh, – Three games worth of thoughts. Um, we'll close with this. Why isn't Andrew Playtech your MVP for three games out? <laughs> well, I mean, you have to average, you know, more than five minutes a game and actually have played in all three games to have even be into consideration for MVP. So um, we could start there. <laughs> Fair. We, we, uh, we haven't seen, uh, you know, just from a, if you take it to a baseball term, uh, they call it a qualified player. So he, he doesn't have the uh, innings quite yet to reach that level, I guess. 
Um, I've also been slightly distracted because the uh, Canes just won in overtime, um, and I it took all the effort I could to not yell at the moment that Aho had a game-winning goal. So sorry, guys. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that. That's um, you know, I feel like we have a very uh, free-flowing and sometimes somewhat unprofessional podcast that's mostly uh, host-related. So if if you guys scream, you know you can scream. Put yourself on mute. Come back, scream some more. It's fine. <laughs> Um, Jake, play tech for MVP, yes or no? No, you have to get on the court to be the MVP. I, I think y'all are uh, underselling what he's giving from the bench from a uh, motivational no, standpoint. No, we're not, Chad. Just, just, no. <laughs> no. Just. I, I will say I, I am surprised that he has seen his minutes reduced as much as they have been. I thought I did not think that would happen until much later in the season. Um, so I don't, don't know what's going on there. But uh, I have been surprised to, to, to at least see that development for for the time being. Well, I, think I mean, he did get on the court. Some, he did get on the court some a little bit earlier tonight. So I don't know if it was just a, I don't know if it was a matchup thing against um, Wofford. I don't know if it was just maybe they undersold. Maybe he was getting over something. They just didn't say anything. Um, but there's does seem to in the last couple of games there does seem to be an effort to at least get him into the game some because he he played some significant minutes tonight um, and tried to do stuff during those minutes and was roundly rejected every time he tried. To do <laughs> yeah, I think it might be a matter of him being the seventh best uh, wing on the roster, but <laughs> you know. Um, Joe, I'm not going to ask you the same question. Just uh, any closing thoughts, you can wrap us up here, and uh, we will jump out and talk about this some more next week. Just want to continue to see the development off the bench. We saw some shuffling from what we thought early in the year. You know, B-Rob has already gotten worked down to the, the ninth guy off the bench tonight. He was 10th uh, earlier you know, want to continue to see that effort because he's going to be an important player this year. And to be able to see that out of him, uh, continue to see the effort from seventh. I mean, really, it's this team is going to go as far as the bench guys go. And when you've got a team that is as deep as they are, the key is keeping interest down there. And, you know, through three games, obviously, that's pretty easy. Through 30 games, that's a little harder. Uh, but I, I really feel like where we are going to beat teams this year is going to be in six, seven, eight, and nine off the bench against the other teams, three or four next guys off the bench. I would agree. Um, you know, I guess what I've taken away from three games is there's really nobody that I absolutely cringe at seeing come into the game um, during competitive moments, and that's. You know, that, that, that's a far cry from really any time this decade. I mean, you, you can go back and I'm not going to start naming names, but there are dudes that you just didn't really want to see on the court, but you were forced to see on the court. So, you know, easily nine, possibly ten deep could be could be a lot of fun, guys. So I think Joe said it from the jump. I mean, this is just a really fun team. Um, let's see. I Joe. mean, and I'm glad – I was going to say, and I'm glad that they actually have, I mean, seeing that the options that they have, I'm glad that they have a schedule that is going to challenge them. Because if anything, with this with this many players, by the time you get into ACC season, you know, Roy likes to start trimming down that roster 
or that rotation by the time the ACC season starts. And with all of these options, having this challenging of a schedule in the non-conference will help him kind of figure out which ways he wants to go with that a lot better than if he had not done that like some teams are prone to do. Hey, man, I'm, I'm all here for uh, shade about some other teams, which has been Mr. Little's best time. Hey, listener, are you still here? Great. Um, as you may have perceived just now, the rest of the recording cut off. Uh, we were on the way out. But uh, thanks again to Al, Jake, and Joe joining me tonight for the first of many slightly more instant analysis uh, basketball podcasts. Uh, Joe has his weekly hangover on the site as of tonight, uh, Monday evening. Uh, Al has football things coming down the pipe, and Jake is all over the place. Never know what to think with uh, Jake's articles, but definitely go give those a read at tarhillblog.com. Please go ahead and subscribe to tarhillblog.com, and more importantly, um, hope my editors aren't listening to this, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, leave us a five-star review. Unsubscribe from it. Subscribe again. Um, if that's too many steps, just subscribe and leave a five-star review. If you leave a review with words on it, I will read that review on air. Um, it's a great way to interact with the podcast. You can ask questions. Uh, definitely ask us questions on Twitter anytime, and we'll be happy to answer them here on the podcast. But until next time, go Heels, and we will talk to you soon.